From technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution, a culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and delivering the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Murray, Executive Director of Programs and Outreach. Today I'm joined by the President and Chief Operating Officer of Team Rubicon, Art Delacruz. Art is a proud veteran and Naval Academy graduate. While in service, he commanded a Navy Strike Fighter Squadron, served as a Top Gun instructor, and made six combat deployments. He also served as a Secretary of Defense Corporate Fellow and a Strategy Lead at SOCOM. Hey Art, thank you so much for joining me today. Mile Marker 10 and its services G2 Exchange and FedHealth IT are delighted to support Team Rubicon as part of our inaugural virtual 5K, Miles for a Mission. For us, this event is all about wellness, giving back, and bringing the community together. I know fostering that sense of community and continued service is something that's really important to Team Rubicon. Through utilizing the skills of military veterans and rapidly deploying emergency response teams, you give veterans not only an opportunity to continue their sense of purpose outside the uniform, but also the ability to give back to their communities. And they often arrive in a community's hour of greatest need and help them on their journey to get back on their feet. Can you share with our listeners a little about your personal journey from active duty to the civilian world and your journey to Team Rubicon? Yeah, thank, first off, thanks for having me, Megan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And yes, I, I think my journey was is not unlike, you know, the 250,000 or so people that transition out of the military into the civilian world. You know, I was grew up in Minnesota, found my way into the Navy somehow. So out of that, that landlocked state, um, you know, found, found purpose and found real, a real personal compass in the mission that the service offered me. And I think when I retired in 2013, after 22 years of service, you know, part of that uniform never comes off, you know, the muscles, muscles you build and leading men and women that have volunteered to serve and the clear cut missions that you have, all of those components really almost, you know, come to the surface is something that you realize, never realized when you're wearing the uniform were so important to you. But then there's suddenly this void as you leave and transition out of the military. And that I found that personally, I, not to say I didn't find great fulfillment, you know, in eating the grass on the other side of the fence. You know, I was spending time with my family. I was exploring new things from a professional standpoint, but something was always missing. And that's what brought me to Team Rubicon. And I don't think it's unlike the journey many men, men and women have where as they transition, as they begin to build their individual skills and whatever their next career or you know, personal campaign is, they always want to use those muscles again. And in Team Rubicon, I started you know, initially in meeting with you know, who is the co-founder and the CEO. And we had this really neat discussion about applying the things that I'd learned in my career uh, in naval aviation and as a commanding officer um, in this environment uh, of disasters. And, and there was real compatibility in the agility, the flexibility, the experience, the education, and the interaction with people I've had. Um, so I began that transition, you know, through the corporate world as a volunteer. 
And then when the opportunity arose to join Team Rubicon as the chief operating officer, you know, I found the ability now to take the skills I had in the military and the skills I'd had in my short time in the corporate world and apply them in this really, really neat virtuous mission. And, you know, it's a nonprofit, but the reality is we treat it like it's a four impact organization. We have to run it in a manner that serves communities. And as you mentioned, I think very articulately in your, in your lead in also serves the veterans who join us in the field and give their time to make the world a better place. That's really great. And what an incredible story. So I know Team Rubicon provides relief to those affected by disaster, no matter where it strikes. Last year brought about another indiscriminate and devastating situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. How has Team Rubicon mobilized and pivoted to respond to COVID-19? Yeah, so it's interesting because our, our bread and butter mission has always been responding to natural disasters or humanitarian crises, you know, around the world, you know, we've, we've been to places like Mozambique after a typhoon hit, you know, we've been all over the country responding to, you know, the aftermath of hurricanes or tornadoes or fires. Um, and when in March of 2020, when the pandemic, it became apparent that the pandemic was going to have rippling effects through all of the lifelines that support communities. You know, we began to position and understand that it was a disaster. And when we say disaster, it means something that overwhelms the local, local community's ability to deal with that situation. And as we started to look at it, it wasn't all that different as we took this approach of saying, this is no different from a disaster, you know, uh, from a hurricane or a tornado. What is different about it is that we're going to have to pull apart all of the things that we've built over the course of our 11 years of existence to respond to hurricanes and tornadoes and now apply it in a different manner. So we knew we had people, we knew we had process, we knew we had volunteer leaders that were very skilled, we had connections in the local communities, and then we knew we were gonna have some lifelines that were gonna be impacted. And you know, a couple of them that I'll use as examples, we knew uh, food, food security was gonna be impacted. You know, we found that food banks have their predominant um, human capital and volunteers are over the age of 65. And as the pandemic struck, that entire demographic was considered high risk. So many of them, you know, weren't volunteering. We happen to have a young demographic in our 145,000 volunteers, and we were able to fill that void. Uh, in addition, you know, a lot of the processes, a lot of the operations, the logistics, the efficiencies we could drive became really, really beneficial as we partnered with Feeding America and with these different uh, food banks across the country. You know, we, we had 260 or so operations specifically to move food. And, you know, we're proud to say that was over 50 million pounds of food delivered, you know, through this act. Another element that became really important was health and medicine. You know, we saw systems that expected to be overwhelmed by COVID. You know, we helped set up field hospitals. In the Navajo Nation, we were able to sortie, you know, uh, men and women with, you know, medical backgrounds to help, you know, a struggling health system and treat, you know, patients that were impacted by COVID. We also knew that testing was gonna be an important piece of it as well. So we partnered with Verily, which is, you know, part of the Google family, an alphabet company. And we partnered with healthcare systems in North Carolina 
and we help facilitate testing, you know, to again, move progress forward. And what we really found as we, as we did this is, you know, a commitment we made as a team was we said, listen, Team Rubicon can't just survive COVID, we have to thrive in it. And we use that word thrive in the moment because we understood that there was a, there were gonna be gaps across the country and we could either rise to the occasion or wait for you know what happened, what what life was like before March, you know, and wait for that to return. But we said, hey, let's let's pivot everything we can do and let's let's continue moving forward. And we learned a ton. We built great systems, we got more volunteers, we made more connections. And I think where we're beginning to see it now is this disaster, which we call COVID, is unique because there's actually an answer to it, unlike a tornado and unlike a hurricane. We know that if we can convert vaccines into vaccinations, that we're going to help the nation heal and we're going to help to mitigate this disaster. So in November of 2020, as part of our strategy, we said, okay, now let's reapply everything we've done from March until December and see how we can help facilitate um, vaccination, vaccination distribution. Um, and we started, you know, piloting things. I think our first um, vaccination occurred on uh, December 15th. You know, we, we piloted with the city of Chicago. We now run their points of distribution and we've been, you know, distributing vaccinations in 72 cities across the country. And we're approaching 1.4 million vaccinations that have been delivered. And that is helping. And that's the response to the disaster. And what's so unique about this is a tornado hits maybe three or four counties, right? A hurricane impacts three or four states. This pandemic has impacted every U.S. state, all of our territories, uh, and it's it's a national disaster. And that's something that the military and our veterans have always responded to, a national call to action. And they're doing the same now to help again turn vaccines into vaccinations. Uh, the other unique piece about it is, um, you know, the military has always prided itself on the diverse composition of the men and women in the military. We've done the same thing in making a very focused effort in ensuring that we're equitably distrib distributing vaccines across the country. We know communities of color are imp being impacted disproportionately by COVID-19. We know the percentage of vaccinations distributed into those communities is lagging. So one of the things that our Veteran Coalition for Vaccinations, which is you know a coalition of six other um, nonprofits in addition to Team Rubicon, you know we are specifically aiming to impact those communities. So it is door-to-door -door vaccinations for those that are homebound. You know in St. Louis, we're working with a fire department. We're going house to house to house to do these vaccinations. In Nevada, we're partnered with FEMA and we have two teams, one that started in Las Vegas and one that started in Reno that are zigzagging across the state to deliver vaccinations to 30 tribal communities and rural communities as that happens. We're doing the same thing in Pueblo and we anticipate more of that happening uh, as we move forward. Really great. I love the proactive approach and you all are such so uniquely um, poised to, to tackle this type of operation. Um, it does sound like an immense operation that required an immense amount of planning in a short amount of time. 
What role did technology and IT play in your ability to rapidly deploy and scale an operation of this magnitude? And how have you scaled your volunteers to meet this need as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Megan. And I think as I look at IT, it's a source of resilience and it's a source of being able to answer, you know, get to yes on a bunch of different asks. So we actually started our digital transformation in, in 2018 with no idea that a pandemic was going to be in the future. But one of the things our CIO, CTO, Raj Kamachi did as he architected this transition is he said, one of the most important things we will have to do, and it has to be a guiding principle in what we decide to do is we have to build for scale. And what's interesting about the way that role of scale has played out is it's not just quantity. It's not the number of people you can serve. Scale has also turned into the applicability of the, the tools and the process and the technology we build to be applied in different manners. And we saw incredible resilience when we made that decision in March of 2020 to pivot our organizations to answer COVID. Because as an example, the enterprise management system that we'd had was designed to ease um, the creation of operations. So a volunteer leader could use this Microsoft Dynamics 365 based system to really, really seamlessly and quickly stand up an operation. And this was designed for those smaller disasters that are under the radar, you know, flooding in the Mississippi Valley or the Rio Grande, a tornado in Kansas, where it's maybe five or six houses and you need, you know, 10 or 15 volunteers, you know, a person could stand up this um, event and then volunteers would have access to it, be able to sign up. And instead of this manual process of calling and having people sign up, you know, we ended up with a, a dashboard and it's actually built around Power BI where people could simply look at a map or they'd be contacted via SMS or they'd be contacted via email, all of these in these automated processes and be able to sign up and say, I'll raise my hand. I can serve, excited to help my community. So that worked great. And in 2019, we began to see the fruits of the labor. We had 101 operations, uh, but when the pandemic hit, because of the systems we built and because of the tools we built, we were able to scale to 366 operations. So almost, you know, a 400%, you know, a four X jump in the operations we were doing. I mean, it was built around that concept of scale that Raj had. The other piece that it allowed us to do is, you know, in the four impact, and I say four impact very deliberately instead of nonprofit, right? We measure, our success by the programmatic outcomes that we generate with men and women and with process and with tools and you know the investments we've made on a community is having an IT system that does that becomes part of this really virtuous cycle because it allows you to storytell in a way that you know works on a financial sense from business impact return on investment to storytelling which is really about you know the human component of how we're helping people and how the people who are helping are being helped. Um, and then, you know, just having, building this database, it's gonna allow us to continually um, refine our performance. So technology is huge. The other piece it allows you to do is it allows you to really match skills that people have with the needs that are in the community. You know, for us to be able to track down very quickly, 
who's been trained to use a chainsaw or who is who has a medical background who has language capabilities all of that is is built on technology so you know I, I, in hindsight i'm very very thankful in 2018 that in 2018 we made those bold decisions and we really had a vision towards scale and we had great uh, technology partners to help us through that because now it's it's really yielding uh, great benefits definitely so as the spouse of an army veteran i know firsthand the passion so many service members and their families feel in finding ways to continue service to their country once they take off their uniform. We are lucky to have numerous military connected individuals and organizations in our federal IT community. Can you share with those listening to this podcast how they can get involved with Team Rubicon? Yeah, you know, for number one is, you know, thank you for your service. You know, it's it's not lost on me that, you know, the families are, are, are part of the service um, that men and women you know, perform, you know, on our nation's behalf. Um, so thank you for what, what you have done and continue to do. Um, for people that are interested, you know, our organization is, is now 145,000 strong. 70% of them are military veterans and, you know, 30% are, are uh, civilian from, you know, various different backgrounds. You know, if you have taken off your uniform my guess is you're looking for ways to reconnect with purpose, you know, that clear cut mission. You're looking, you know, to identify and be around, you know, the veterans from whatever, you know, cloth they wore um, to be around them and find that common bond and then to serve in times of need. So, you know, Team Rubicon offers that um, to each of our military veterans and it's as simple as going to teamrubiconusa.org and signing up. You know, the common thing I hear from military veterans is this is not the right time for me. And it's because I know a lot of people are going to school or they're starting out in new jobs or they've got, you know, families. I'd encourage you to sign up and register. And if the organization has to ask you 50 times and you can, you say no for 49, but on the 50th, you say yes, because you'll know when it's time, when you can say, hey, I can, I can dash off for a weekend you know, to help, you know, move material, whatever it might be. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, you can also support us financially. You know, we have donations and signups um, and the, where, you know, you go to our website. Again, that's teamrubiconusa.org. You know, we'd love to have your support. And if you're, you know, still associated uh, with the combined federal campaign is another great way you know, to contribute um, to what the men and women who put on our gray shirt, which is what our our volunteers uh, do. The other piece I'd add here is, you know, one of the things uh, about volunteering is we're not just looking for the specific skills you think you'd need. You know, we don't, we can train you to be a Sawyer. We can train you to use heavy equipment, but we also need people who are ready to you know, swing a sledgehammer or pull, you know, wet drywall, you know, off a, off a wall in a house. So, so mold doesn't set in or tear out wet carpet or, you know, move debris after a tornado. All of those things are incredibly important. And the other thing that is incredibly important is understand that as a veteran, you're respected in your community. You have skills and experience that people often don't understand. I like to think of, and this came from our chief medical officer, is military veterans don't transition from the U.S. military. You know, the way we like to think of it is, you know, 
consider a military veteran as someone who's graduated from a very unique school. You have education, you have experience, you have training that's unique to the military and very, very valuable to a community in helping them move forward in times of disaster. Um, so those are some ways they can join. We would love to see um, as many men and women who you know can answer the call come to join from us. The, the system for signing up is very easy. Uh, and uh, we would love to, to bring you aboard on our family to impact communities in a really positive manner. That's wonderful, Art. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I also want to thank you for your service and for all that you and Team Rubicon do. I really enjoyed this conversation today and getting to know more about the great work you all are driving. And I hope some of our community will answer that call to join you. I also can't wait to reconnect with you in a few weeks and hear an update on how many vaccines you've turned into vaccinations. I know it's gonna be 2 million before we know it. So I look forward to continuing this relationship. Our virtual 5K is actually kicking off as we speak. So thank you again for being a part of this initiative and this conversation. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts by G2 Exchange Media, please visit www.fethealthit.com and look for the podcast section at the top of the page. Music by Jam Studio, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated.